Hi friends, I'm Jen Brothers. I serve as stated supply pastor for youth and young adults at Second Presbyterian Church on Mountain Avenue in beautiful Roanoke, Virginia. Thanks for tuning into our podcast, Second on the Mount. I believe our God is living and active in our lives and in this world. I believe God's will is healing, redemption, and wholeness for everyone. I believe Holy Scripture bears witness to this countercultural truth. The more we delve into it, the more we can allow it to challenge us, comfort us, and sustain us on our earthly journey. We're so glad you're here. The grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Please pray with me. Holy God, by the power of your Spirit, bring your word to bear upon our lives where we need it most. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. On Wednesday, we began our Lenten journey with ashes. We picked up ashes to remind ourselves of the death that awaits us even as we walk toward new life. Now, Lent is not a time of punishment. It's a time to honestly face what we would rather ignore. There's brokenness in our lives. Some of it we have caused, and some of it has been caused upon us. We take stock of this brokenness to remind ourselves that we cannot be raised to new life until we're willing to die to our old ways. And we cannot die to our old ways if we do not know what those old ways are. But Lent is also a time of renewal. During Lent, we don't walk aimlessly in circles. We walk with purpose toward the new creation that has already been made possible through Christ's life, death, and resurrection. In six weeks, we will rejoice as we cry out, Christ is risen! Our rejoicing will be that much more powerful if we allow God's Spirit to show us where we're clinging to values and behaviors that lead us and others towards death. Lent is a time to allow God's Spirit to loosen our grip from the ways of this world. It's a time to allow God's Spirit to raise us to new life in Christ. On Wednesday, we picked up ashes. Today, we will sift through the ash heap of the first recorded sin. A reading from Genesis, chapter 3, verses 8 through 19. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent tricked me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, 
Because you have done this, cursed are you among all animals and among all wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pangs in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children, yet your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to the man he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree about which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. For the word of God in Scripture, for the word of God in us, and for the word of God among us. Thanks be to God. This is a heavy story. Perhaps the heaviest story of all, with dark and painful words. But let's not move off of it too quickly. This story isn't trying to shame us. It's asking something of us. When it comes to difficult texts, Bible scholar Phyllis Tribble suggests Scripture is a mirror that shows us the human condition. She writes, You look in a mirror in the morning and it shows you something you don't particularly like, so it gives you a choice to do something about it. The Bible is a reflection of the whole panorama of life and therefore places upon us the responsibility to make choices. Make good choices. When our girls were young, Carter and I would call these words out to them as they walked out the door to school. We were emulating Jamie Lee Curtis's character in the remake of the movie Freaky Friday. She would call these words out to her daughter whenever she left the house. Now, we spoke these words sincerely, but I also knew that just saying make good choices was not all that helpful. I had no idea what challenges they would encounter that day. How were they to know what made for a good choice and what didn't? How was I to know? The players in today's text, they don't make good choices. Simply put, God said, do not eat from the fruit of this tree, and humans did it anyway. The ancient storytellers who gave us this story, they trusted that we would be able to recognize ourselves in this story, that we would be able to see and acknowledge how something becomes so much more appealing the moment we are told it's forbidden. But rather than focus on the sin of this man and woman, I want to take a deeper look at the consequences of their sin because by noting the consequences, we get a better understanding of how sin separates us from God us from each other, and us from the world God created. It wasn't always like this, the ancients tell us. It was not meant to be this way. In the beginning, the earth and all that it contained was beautiful, beautiful, 
good and whole. There was balance and harmony between humans and God, between humans and nature, between male and female. Yes, even between male and female. Despite how the creation narrative has been used over the years to support male superiority, the Hebrew text refers to the original human as ha-adam, a term that meant earth creature, not male, but human being. Until God performs divine surgery by removing a rib, the earth creature is genderless. And its nefesh, its entire being, was in harmony with all of creation. Even after male and female emerged as two halves of a whole, Adam recognized Eve as bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, which means what was good for one was good for the other. And then all that unity, equality, and harmony was disrupted because they didn't make good choices. And what comes next in the story reflects all the ways sin affects our relationship with God, with each other, and with God's creation. So let's peer into the mirror and face what the ancients understood to be the universal aftermath of sin. Man and woman hide from God in shame. Man blames woman and God for his own behavior. Creatures and humans wage war against each other. Woman becomes subordinate to man. Even the harmony between humans and crop production is affected. Human choices have disrupted the wholeness, the mutuality, the harmony of God's creation. There is no more balance. This is not a story about one man, one woman, one serpent, and one plot of soil. It is a story about the human condition. It is our story. Lent calls us to take a deep look at the truth of our lives. We know we have not loved God with our whole heart, and what we do with this knowledge all too often is hide rather than come out into the light, rather than say, I'm sorry, rather than admit we have been wrong and we just don't know what to do about it. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We blame others for our choices. We hold on to power rather than figure out how to give it away because we bought into the lie that your gain somehow results in my loss. What is better for you somehow means less for me. We abuse nature time and time again rather than approach God's creation with the awe and the reverence that she deserves. During Lent, we take a deep and long look at the truth of our lives. But because balance, harmony, and wholeness have always been at the heart of God's design, we don't stop at repentance. There are two R's to bear in mind during Lent, repentance and renewal. We're not finished. We are not yet what we will someday become. 
As long as we have breath, we get to walk toward the new creation which God has birthed through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So let's bravely face our individual and corporate sins. Let us name them. Let us not hide in shame. We cannot die to our old ways if we do not know what those old ways are. When we can see them properly, we can begin to make new choices. Choices that are in line with sewing up the ruptures we have caused and those we have inherited. So our communities can become gardens of healing and wholeness, equality and justice, mercy and abundance. By God's grace, we can do this. We must do this. A reading from Romans, chapter 6. What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means! How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, I freely admit that I do not always know what the Apostle Paul is talking about, but I think he's very clear here. He's drawing a parallel between Christ's physical death and our metaphorical death to sin. Even though grace for our sin abounds, we are to die to our sin. We are to uproot it from our lives and from our communities. We are to throw it onto the ash heap so that new life, God's new creation, can grow to fullness. Paul invokes the sacrament of baptism to help us understand that when we are baptized into Christ, we share in his death and in his resurrection, not just later at the end of our time on earth, but here and now we can make new choices because we have been resurrected in this life, for this life, for each other and for the world God so loves. Wherever there is an imbalance of power, wherever creation is being abused, wherever guilt and shame drives people away from God, we must remember that this is not what God intended. And we must pray. And we must listen. And we must learn to tolerate the discomfort of our shame long enough to learn something new. And then we must make better choices. And if all of this sounds overwhelming, we must hold on to the hope that God will meet our meager efforts 
with God's resurrection power because God has already set the new creation into motion. Lent invites us again and again on a journey to wholeness. We begin with repentance so we can get to renewal. And thanks be to God, we do not travel this road alone. God's Spirit is with us, and we are with each other. We have been baptized into Christ's death and Christ's resurrected life. We have everything we need to uproot the thorns and the thistles that divide race against race, gender against gender, and humans against creation. We have everything we need to make new choices. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.